0: Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host and the always enchanting Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I'm good, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Fans, you can find us at our Facebook page, Once Upon a Disney Podcast, and on Twitter at, at AndyRedwine and at Larry Brenner6. And should you have a pressing question you'd like for us to answer, you can email us or drop a note in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast.com.
1: Larry, we have a guest star. We do have a guest star. I'm excited for our guest star. Uh, Bridget and I have been talking Harry Potter for, for years on Facebook, uh, so I'm excited to have her here. Uh, so Bridget Dutta Portman is a playwright, teacher, and novelist in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, more than two dozen of her plays have been produced locally, nationally, and internationally. She's a member of Same Boat Theater Collective, the Pair Writers Guild, and the Dramatists Guild. She holds a Ph.D. in political science and an M.F.A. in creative writing from Spalding University.
0: Uh, How do we know? We have I'm telling you, we have the smartest cookies at Spalding.
1: Well, and she is currently gearing up to release her first novel, which is a young adult fantasy called The Twin Stars, uh, which is being published with a Canadian company called Titan One Studios. It will be available for pre-order. Uh, so if you if you're interested in it, go to bridgetaportman.com. That's Bridget, B-R-I-D-G-E-T-T-E Dutta, Dutta, Portman, as it sounds, dot com, which you should know how to do. Uh, and uh <laughs> go support Bridget.
2: Yay, Bridget. I'm so Thank glad you. to be here. Thank you so much, Larry and Andy. I'm super excited to be here and uh, super excited to talk about Snow White.
0: Yes! Larry, why did we feel like we had to do Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? I always, by the way, I always want to say dwarves, but it really is dwarfs.
1: It is dwarfs. Um, we, we, we can get into that, but I don't think that's where <laughs> the conversation is at. Uh, so, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is the first uh, full-length animated, not just full-length animated Disney movie. It's the first full-length animated color the Disney movie, uh, animated movie. It's a big deal in the history of cinema. But what I realized when we started doing Sleeping Beauty, uh, which was three podcasts ago, that you know everything t- from from after sleep after Snow White came back. Came out, everything is measured against Snow White. Absolutely. Snow White set a pretty high bar. And it's not that you know, Andy and I both love Sleeping Beauty, but when we're measuring it against Snow White, I think we both felt it doesn't exceed that bar, uh, in ter- in terms of story. And it's just, it's the measuring stone. I don't I don't know how else to explain it. We need to cover it, we need to discuss it. Uh And that's why I'm excited to talk about
0: it. Yeah, I mean, it's the first Disney movie, right? So, and I I started thinking this week that, you know, in 1937, um, animated comedy shorts are the warm-up act for the more serious film, right? And so, and the Technicolor branded process is also pretty new at this time, too. So audiences are used to seeing animated films as black and white. So it had to be this incredible wow factor for everyone. To see this, I mean this mm-hmm. thing. And then also the color makes the funny parts funnier and the scary parts scarier, particularly when that evil queen breaks the fourth wall, right? With her uh, like look, right? <laughs> and so um nobody can see me do that look, but it's trust me, it looks no, it like looks as queen. it sounds, but <laughs> yeah. she, she went oh, <laughs> <and scary." laughs>
2: oh,
0: you it. You right. It. <laughs> um, but so it is a showcase of animation. Um and i'm so interested to see what um y'all think about this but i would argue that it's really not a family film in the way we think of family films today. Uh, we oh, see a murder, there's a lightning bolt that brings justice to the murderer, <laughs> right? And so while it's a film about good versus evil and there's no real moral ambiguity because it is, a, you know, it's Disney and it's just like the films that follow it. I'm not sure that it's like oh, let's take our kids to see this because there are parts of this that are absolutely terrifying.
2: Kind of, yeah, I I agree. Well, I saw it with my six-year-old recently. I I rewatched it and um, he seemed okay with it. But um, yeah, there are some kind of disturbing elements of it. That Wicked Queen is is scary. And I don't know if you have read the original Grimm's um, fairy tale that this is based on. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I read it and it's even more disturbing. How um, so? <laughs> so um, in the end, um, the the wicked queen is forced to wear um, iron shoes that have been heated in fire. So she what? wears these iron shoes, and she has to dance until she dies. Oh, um, yes. And <laughs> then, <laughs> my goodness. And then another part that is really disturbing is so you know how um, she sends the huntsman to kill Snow White, and then she says she, he has to bring back um, Snow White's heart. In the movie. Right. Right. So in the actual um fairy tale, she says to bring back Snow Whites, I think it's her lungs and liver, and then she eats it. So what? yeah, so the the, <laughs> the, the huntsman brings back a a a wild boar's lungs and liver, but the wicked queen thinks it's Snow White's and eats it. So believing that she's eating Snow White's innards so she's and a cannibal. Yet- and yet
1: I think we can all agree that it was the right decision to not include those elements
2: <laughs> in this yeah, so in when, this movie.
0: Right. So when you're doing an adaptation, thinking about your audience <laughs> and thinking about who might like to see this movie. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that people were quite ready for that in um in the 1930s.
1: I'm not ready and for that, it now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <I> oh <don't> no. <know. laughs> But I do want to throw out, like, like what you're pointing to, Andy, is this movie tonally is really all over the place, and it feels like I, I mean I can't speak to in, to intention necessarily, but it feels like what Walt is doing here is he's trying to show showcase everything he can possibly do in animation, right? Yeah. So like right. where we've got soap opera elements where the queen is like just every you know soapy villain. Uh, that you can imagine at the start of this. And then we've got romance elements, and then we've got silly elements, horror elements, thriller elements, it's everything. And it's almost like he's offering us up a sampler of what the next, you know, 100 and something years of movies can be in animation, right? right. Like right. everything, every genre of movie. Not every genre, but I'm I'm being hyperbolic, but so many genres of movie could you could say like Snow White is the animated grand grandmother to all of them.
0: Mm, interesting, that's a really interesting idea. I know in thinking about how Walt put these together, and I talk about it like we're good friends, you know, me and Walt. Um, <laughs> I feel like we are. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Walt Disney and I would have been really good chums. Um, but the you know my working theory of Snow White has always been, you know the, the way in which the film was made, um, it, you know, there is no screenplay. so this this does kind of match with what you're saying, Larry, in that there's no screenplay to this film. They're just storyboards. So Walt Disney gathers mm. everyone together and he tells them a story, and these teams of animators were responsible to use that sort of guiding light as a way to tell these stories. and they would divide the labor up, okay, you're doing the queen and you're doing the dwarfs, dwarves, dwarfs. Dwarves yeah, I see, I'm still gonna do that. and and you're gonna do Snow White and you're gonna take care of this part. And so when it's all put together, it doesn't quite blend the way we expect a film to blend.
1: So one of the things that I noticed um, is, uh, especially compared to some of the movies, uh, the other movies that we've looked at. and this is not necessarily a judgment, but he gets through the exp- exposition really quick. We've got that storybook page. Um, And then immediately we're with the evil queen, the magic mirror, and then we're with Snow White. Like the exposition, we get rid of that in like two minutes of the the first two minutes of the movie. And it's all it's all forward action from that point. It's very economically done.
0: Right. By about minute. I think it's about minute four. um, We've heard and seen two secrets in Reflection. So there's all this also this duality in the exposition. So you have one, the eagle, evil queen finds out that she's not the fairest in the land anymore. The magic mirror has decided, well, either the magic mirror just knows this because he knows it or because he's this, he's been a liar this whole time and has decided to start telling the truth for some reason. We don't know why. Um, but then the second is that Snow White looks in her reflection in the wishing well and she tells the birds what she's wishing for. And that's her secret, and it's literally want to know a secret, right? So we've got two secretive, we've got two women in contest here. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of them's not playing the game, but one of them definitely is.
2: Yeah. So I I I, I think that um that opening it, it's interesting because as writers, we're often told avoid exposition, right? And show, you know, show don't don't tell. Um, and then but they open with that book. So they're literally telling. Right. Um, right. But I think it I think it works because it sets it totally sets the the, the tone and the style of, of the movie. Right. So as soon as you see that that book, you know, this is going to be a fairy tale. It's going to have fairy tale elements. Um, and then it gets rid of, you know, or it gets us past the stuff that we don't right that we need to know in order to move forward
1: we do a little section uh, every podcast about the monish tana and just for any new viewer the monish tana it's the first question that we ask of passover why is this night different from all other nights uh, which we which we change for, for purposes hmm. of this is why does this story start where it starts snow white has been a slave to the evil queen. She's been a prisoner slave. It's not quite clear exactly what the relationship is, but it isn't great uh, for years. Why is today the day that we're starting our movie? And I think there are a couple of different answers that work here. Uh, and probably all answers are true. Does anybody want to jump in? Like, why today?
2: So, and, and it sounds like you're kind of asking about the inciting incident as well. And it can be the inciting
1: same? incident. Yeah. Well, it's the, the difference between the Manish Tanah and the Inciting Incident is if the inciting incident comes late in the movie, uh, like so when we were talking about Mary Poppins, we talk about how Mary Poppins is the inciting incident, but she doesn't show up for like 20 minutes of the movie. Ah, so, like, mm-hmm. why do we start where we start? Is really, oh, the, okay. is really the question. Even more than the inciting incident.
2: Interesting. I mean it seems to me okay so why what we really start with is the day the mirror tells the wicked queen that you are no longer the most beautiful. And why does that happen today? I mean it could it could be that just gradually snow white has been getting more beautiful as she gets older and this day she, her beauty just like got that much higher and surpassed the, the evil queens because the queen asks the mirror this every single day, right? So yes. Either, yeah, either the mirror has been lying for a while, and it doesn't seem like it's a lying mirror. It seems like he tells the truth. Or like today was just the day that Snow White's beauty <laughs> surpassed the queen's. And then that that starts everything in motion. And then the other thing that is different about today is it's the day that the prince shows up. Right. And I I feel like there's and there's that that hint that maybe the evil queen is jealous of. The prince, the, the attention the prince is giving Snow White, because you see her up in the in the castle just kind of glowering down. So it could be a combination of those two things. I
1: think you're exactly right. I think it is a combination of those two things. Um, one of the things I have trouble squaring away, and I'm I'm not I'm not sure uh, if I'm just making it, make, making something big out of something small. Is first the evil queen finds out that Snow White um, is, the, is fairer than she, and then Snow White meets the prince. And if the events were flipped, what I would say is Snow White, in having met the prince, has transformed her beauty, like falling in love has somehow made her more beautiful. Right. And that's what would activate the evil queen. But we don't get the events in that order. We start on the queen, Snow White has beauty, and then that beauty sort of attracts the attention of the prince. Um, and I've, I've never been able, like, I've never, it feels more coincidental this way than if we flipped the two events. It would be one mm-hmm. leading to the other.
0: However, um, however, he has a, he has, she has this moment. Snow White has this moment that she has a secret and she knows that she has, she, she tells us the secret. So maybe the magic mirror knows the secret and it is that she's ready to be, you know, to have her debut or whatever. Um, I mean, it could be that that's the moment where she becomes more beautiful. So I don't know. But I'm with you, Larry. Well, one last question about this
1: Manish Manish Tanah moment, because there's a third thing that we could look at here. Um, Do you believe the wishing well to really be a wishing well? Ah. she 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 sings in the song make a wish and it will come true um is today the day snow white makes her wish it's not really clear to me when she
0: sings the song she she wants to find the one she loves the or the she's wishing for the one she loves to find her today <laughs> there he is so i don't know i think it's, that would think make it's magical, sense i think it's a magical yeah. well
2: that makes a lot of sense, because otherwise it is just really coincidental that hey, he's he's riding his horse by and he happens to see her, right? Right. So yeah, so, maybe maybe today she made the wish and it actually kind of summoned him in a sense,
1: and you know what I like about that? Um, I like it. I like that interpretation because it makes her the active force changing her fate, right? It's not that right. Snow White has necessarily been sitting around. Today's the day. She made a wish on a wishing well, which which makes makes it a. Hey, that's the sort of thing an active protagonist should be doing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know that right. it reads that way, but
2: yeah, that
1: does,
0: way, she does seem a little passive, doesn't she? I was thinking, yeah. yeah,
2: she she seems very passive to me. That that does make it a little better. Yeah, I mean that does make her a little bit more active. I I could go with that explanation.
0: She has a couple of moments that make her, make her act. We'll get into that in a little bit. when yeah. we talk about characterization, but uh, Larry, you want to talk about uh, the rest of the structure of this, of this okay, thing? So, because so, I, I will, I full confession. I have scratched my head about this and a number of times. And I think I, I'm going to keep going back to why I think this is just kind of, it is what it is okay. as Fair. opposed to being a, a three act structure with, you know, various rise, there, there are various rising actions. There seem to be two climaxes in this film. Mm -hmm. Um, Falling action doesn't really, uh, maybe, but yeah, I want to hear what you have to say because I'm, I've been, this has been, I've been scratching my head all week.
1: Sure. So, um, all right. So we're talking inciting incident and we're talking about what like is going to activate Uh, the characters in this particular way. And I think the points that that Bridget made, that today's the day she met the prince, and that today's the day that the evil queen finds out that Snow White is more fair than she, I think all of those would be good runners-up for inciting incident. But they're not the inciting incident that changes Snow White and propels the movie. So I would argue that the moment that propels the movie is the moment where the huntsman attempts to kill Snow White. And that is the day, for Snow White, that is the day that launches the movie. It forces her to run into the woods seeking shelter someplace else. Mm-hmm. I and I think that when Snow White is running, I think that's when the movie has really started.
0: Agree, agree.
1: Yeah,
2: though it, I have to, it does depend on who the protagonist is. So this is assuming that, that Snow White is the protagonist, and we'll probably get into this later.
0: We, like, will if, we will get yeah. it. We shall. If
2: if she <laughs> but, is, then yes. Then the the inciting incident needs to be something that involves her and that kind of that propels her on a journey. So yeah, it would be her her being nearly killed and running away.
1: And and we'll come back to this. I, I'm gonna say for the sake of argument right now, I believe the movie thinks Snow White is the protagonist. I don't know yes. that the movie is right, but I think it thinks <laughs> she is. <laughs> and i I think we're supposed to we're supposed to feel this is this is what's changing everything she's leaving the castle and she begins her journey into the woods. Yes. so I would point to that as the inciting action, and the rising action is pretty much everything that comes after that leading up to the big climactic moment. Now the question is going to become what is the big climactic moment. So climactic moment is going to be the moment where we have the greatest tension, the greatest possible confrontation between our protagonist and our antagonist, whatever that means. It is is the high point, the, the tense point of the movie. I think you would all agree with me although if you don't, call me out on this, that Snow White making friends with the animals is rising action, her meeting the dwarfs is rising action, Uh, her evolving relationship with the dwarfs, her making dinner for them, cleaning the house, all of that firmly in rising action. When would you guys say we hit the climax? There's a couple of places, and I don't think any of them is wrong. Um, And a movie can have more than one,
2: what do you think? This is hard because typically the climax uh, would involve the protagonist and would be the moment where the protagonist either gets or fails to get what they want. Um, so when I, when I immediately think about what, like what's the, the moment that feels more like the climax, it would maybe be the, the evil queen's death. But Snow White is not in any way involved in that moment. <laughs> no. So it doesn't feel like it can be the climax.
1: No, right? I, I agree with you. But, but if you, someone were to say to me, like if I was teaching a film class, I said, where's the climax of the movie? And they would say, like, the evil queen's death scene, I would give them the five points, right? Yeah. I wouldn't tell them they were wrong. sure. So that's one place. If, so if we're saying that it does have to involve the protagonist, and if we are saying big if that Snow White is the protagonist, does that make the climax of the movie the, the, the profferment of the apple? And whether or not Snow White is gonna, because that is as much as we're going to get between the conflict between our protagonist and our antagonist, is that the climax?
0: Uh, see, I, I think it, if, if we say Snow White's the protagonist, it has to be. It has to be the moment where she's taking the apple and dying, right? It,
2: it could be, but then that, that again, usually at the climax is a moment where uh, the protagonist kind of either wins or loses. And that moment wouldn't, I mean, she loses there, but not ultimately, right? right. So that almost it, makes it me think. It feels more
0: like an all hope is
2: lost. Book yeah, and that almost than, makes me think. Yeah. That the climax could the climax be the moment where the prince kisses her and she wakes up.
1: So so that becomes a question also. But there's actually no conflict in that scene, right? Right. Uh, so you know if the dwarfs tried to keep the prince away, or or there was some some sort of con- but then almost that makes the prince the protagonist, and
2: right. the prince is not
1: the protagonist. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and she does nothing. She right. She she's unconscious. Um, which is a whole thing. (laughs) So um, she does nothing to to save herself there. So, yeah.
1: And I don't know that we can do better than we've just done. Uh, I will say if it is the scene with Snow White and and the witch, uh, I I will say it is a conflict scene in which the protagonist at no point recognizes that she's in danger, does nothing to oppose (laughs) her antagonist, completely succumbs to 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 the villain and never even has a moment to reflect on it as far as snow white is concerned she fell asleep after eating the apple and she woke up having missed a significant portion of the all the best parts (laughs) of the action of the movie
2: right and i'm also now thinking about the um the original grimm's fairy tale again and the ending of that one makes more sense as a climax when they make um Snow White or so the the evil queen comes to the wedding of Snow White and the prince and it doesn't say specifically that Snow White like puts these hot shoes on her but it's it makes it sound like she's responsible so like (laughs) I'm envisioning Snow White and the prince are like watching this the evil queen dance around in these hot shoes and die so that's like more like a traditional climax moment. That's
0: that's quite a wedding party. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs>
0: so <laughs> well, I know, I know what we'll do. <laughs> Forget the band. We'll just get the hot shoes. <laughs> Watch what Nemesis done, You know, dance <laughs> to her death.
1: To nutshell this a little bit, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, without being able to perfectly identify the climax, it's almost impossible for us to talk about the falling action and resolution. Um, other than to say that the prince kissing snow white and the prince carrying her away to the horse is definitely part of the falling action and resolution. We infer from that, that there's a happy ending. Um, but that's it. Uh, falling it action. Sa- it
0: says, you yeah, know, it says, and they lived happily ever after on the last page. So we know right. that we know that that's, we, we know they're not leaving us astray there, right, but yeah uh,
2: well, did you notice though that like the the cast, the prince's castle looks like it's in the clouds,
1: yes,
2: so that almost makes me feel like is this like a metaphor for her dying, and I don't think it's meant to be, but it's just curious how they have the the prince's castle in the sky.
1: Well, I mean, I mean that that is certainly a dark take.
0: <laughs> but, it does feel like death though. You have this heavenly choir and they're all singing and she's well, saying her goodbyes to well, them.
1: To be clear, we're at a dwarf. funeral, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um I I have to believe though that that they may be drawing on that imagery to to allow us to infer that she's going to a heavenly place but right. i can't imagine like walt like winked at winked at his writers and was like we all know she's dead right <laughs> like like that doesn't <laughs> I, I i refuse to believe that's the intention no i'm just no
2: i don't think so i hope either. not i hope not
0: Okay, so we've been talking about this episodic nature, which I, and, and we've been talking about a lot of things, but we've, I've, I've been talking about the episodic nature in this third-person omniscient POV. Um, one of the things that I think happens because of the way this story is told is this dramatic irony um, in that there are lots of things that we know that the characters don't know. And in fact, Snow White, like we pretty much know everything that's going on in her life and she has no clue or doesn't seem to have a clue. Once in a while, we'll get this glimpse of like, you know, when she tells the dwarfs, I can't go back there. She can't find me. Right. She knows that the queen's a bad person, but I don't think she knows how bad the queen is.
1: Oh, I think she knows how bad the queen is.
0: Do you think do you think she
1: does? I, the huntsman had a knife, was about to stab her, and said to her, "The queen, she's mad, she's jealous, she wants you dead." And Snow White runs. Um, and the dwarfs have a sense of how bad. Like it's not like the, ev- the evil. Right. Queen. But the,
0: I'm with you, but then there's that one moment where she's with the dwarf. She's she's in the forest, and she tells the animals, "I shouldn't have been so afraid." <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. But it's like, really? I think you should have been afraid. You had, a, like, somebody had a knife at you, right? Why, why wouldn't she, you
2: have been so afraid? Maybe, did she mean she shouldn't have been so afraid of the forest?
0: Because I think she uh, was afraid of the true. knife. And okay. I, think
2: she, I think she knows, because she tells the dwarves, like, the queen will kill me. Like, she uh, knows. Okay. Um, but she's just, like, so so optimistic despite everything all the time. So I think that's why in the forest she's like, everything's going to be okay.
1: Yeah and I I you know the audience <laughs> is led into the clue and we can argue whether this is right or not to to do but when we see the things that snow white is seeing we know it's her imagination running wild right there's the right. log that looks mm-hmm. like it's an alligator there's the tree that looks like it's about to attack her but they're right. very clear to show us that that's what snow white sees that's not what we that's not what we see so when she's saying mm-hmm. you know why was i afraid i was being silly i do i agree with bridget I I think she's talking about that, but not the evil queen. But what I'm just realizing now is we don't have a scene where the evil queen is being herself. When the evil queen's not in disguise and she's talking to Snow White. The two characters in their real forms never have an interaction. We never see the relationship between the two of them. And I I think I want that scene. Oh, yeah. I think it would
0: definitely heighten some tension, right? I think we we need to dial that up a little
1: bit. I'll tell you what I want. I okay. want to see Snow White trying to love her evil stepmother. Oh, mm. yeah. Because I think that's what Snow White would do. And in that scene, I think we would see the whole conflict laid bare. Snow White is love. The evil queen is hate. They are opposites. Um, mm-hmm. And... And that is why Snow White hasn't run away before. She hasn't realized how bad things have gotten until the Huntsman comes. But I want that scene. I want that, that scene. That would
2: be great. I, and I agree. I think she would try to love the Evil Queen because that's, like, she she tries to win people over, like, grumpy. Right? Yeah. She's, oh, she just I wants. I mean, when
0: she's out there scrubbing the steps and her rags, right? So, in a way, that's sort of, I mean, she's cheerfully doing that. She's. She's not complaining about it.
1: We talked about this during the Sleeping Beauty episode. She's heroic. She has reason to, she could be singing her Woe is Me song about Mm -hmm. how her life is so hard because it's not great. And instead, she talks about how she's still hopeful. She's still optimistic that no matter how bad things get for Snow White, the thing that's heroic about her is her belief that the future will be good. And I envy her that. I right? think
2: that's heroic or because to me, like, I can see how that's heroic in a sense, but it also kind of annoyed me watching her <laughs> because it didn't feel realistic. And yes, this is, it's a fairy tale. It's not supposed to be realistic, but it, it's harder for me to identify with Snow White when she never, with the exception of that one moment in the forest where she cries, like she never shows that anything is bothering her. She's always cheerful.
1: Oh, I, th- I think there's a couple of other places where we see things are bothering her. I, th- I think there are a couple of places, and I think they're mostly with Grumpy. Um, the big line for me is always p- when she's praying mm-hmm. and, and in, the, in the bed and she prays, she goes, and please make Grumpy like me. <laughs> and, I, I, and that line melts my heart. Because nobody, none of the other other dwarfs would—they would all tell her just ignore him. He's a pain in the ass, right? <laughs> but, but it bothers her. Yeah. It bothers her that that he, she thinks he hates her.
2: It no? is a I mean, sweet I mean, moment. It is. It's my favorite yeah.
1: moment. That it, that it, is that is my favorite line in the movie. Oh.
2: Please let Grumpy oh. love
1: me, love well, like me. <laughs>
0: But the way she laughs, I'm I'm with you, Bridget, though, there there is this, and I didn't notice it until this last viewing, but there is a Shirley Temple-esque kind of character to Snow White in that. And I started thinking about movies like Shirley Temple movies, like Bright Eyes or um, the other one, oh, Poor Little Rich Girl, where she, she laughs and she's sort of taken aback, you know? Oh, you know, uh, in in the way that young women are sort of coached as actors during this period. And so mm-hmm. in that way it seems like she's measured and she accepts her lot in life. She wishes for things to be different, but she's not as proactive as we want to see mm-hmm. a proactive.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm going to make one more argument in defense of Snow White, okay? <laughs> okay. All righty. <laughs> I I I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm I'm going to stand up for her. Yep. Yeah, you are 100% <laughs> correct. We're making Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs today. She's got to do a lot more in the action sequences of this. Mm-hmm. She's got to get to the conflict. She needs to be the person to fight the conflict and resolve the conflict. You're correct. Concede that floor. Thank you. But the thing that she does is heroic, is when she finds the dwarfs, it is not that she, she sets the dwarfs up to take care of her. Rather, before she even meets them, she sees a house that needs to be cleaned, food that needs to be made. She assumes that there are children who need to be taken care of. And without even meeting them, she loves them and immediately accepts them into her heart and does the work. And they might come in and immediately reject her. She has not been offered anything from them. She is in the middle of the biggest crisis of her life and she stops everything to make their lives better and for me that makes her a hero
2: okay i mean yeah i mean there's something admirable about about that and about her eternal optimism um and i think she embodies a certain ideal of the feminine that, um, would be, you know, outdated by our standards today, but maybe was, was there at the time. Um, but I just, I, I, I'll go back to what I, I said where I can't really identify with her and I think personally, I like a character who has more flaws. So that A, I can identify with them and B, they can have an arc. They can change over the course of, the, um, of the, the film or the book or whatever it is. And I don't know that Snow White changes at all.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about it, this in the protagonist talk, problems.
2: Okay, so yeah. absolutely.
1: let's stick yeah. a pin in it because you are 100% right. I agree. Um,
0: and then also what you said about embodiment. Like she embodies this almost this Puritan work ethic um, where, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, instead of just going, oh gosh, I'm safe. It's like, oh gosh, I need to make these beds. <laughs> I need to get this broom. And, what you know, so, um, it's very which, domestic, right? Exactly. Extremely domestic. And her choices as a woman in 1937 are sort of limited anyway. She can caregive, she can mother, she can pray, she can dance. She can't say really no to authority figures, And she has to sort of be rescued. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part of what um, I'm with you, Bridget. Like I can't identify with that part either, but I think um, that's the, you know, but the thing that I think makes her kind of sweet and awesome is her longing for love. That no matter what happens, Snow White longs for this love that she thinks is pure and wonderful it would be awesome if she could see that love as something that she has for these dwarfs. Yeah. That that would be, that those, that that kind of love would be equal. Um, and, and yeah. and that this, that love that somehow supersedes, you know, this, this romantic love is somehow supersedes the love that she has for these seven.
2: Yeah. Women. I kind of didn't like the part and, you know, where she's saying goodbye. It's so abrupt. Like the dwarfs right. have done so much for her. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> and she's like, "Okay, bye." They have. have I mean, it. they 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 <laughs> just they they killed they, or they chased away the uh, the evil witch. Uh, yep. They have like put her in this. They didn't bury her. They put her in this glass coffin for like every you know, and they're like holding vigil around her for I don't know how much time passes, but it seems like a long time. And then she's just yeah, she wakes up and she immediately goes off with the prince. Well, it seems ungrateful. I don't know
1: <laughs> what should she say with them.
2: <laughs> well, no, but maybe she could like invite them to the castle or something or like maybe they all just sit down and have like tea and just have talk about what she's missed.
1: Or something. I've got I've got some good news for you, Bridget. There is a sequel to this movie that appears in storybook form created by Disney in which the seven dwarfs clean up the cottage because snow white is coming to coming back to visit and (gasps) they stay friends oh wonderful it is not a great book but (laughs) well that's okay (laughs) but it is canon
2: yes that'll be that's canon yes (laughs)
1: um so let's move on to some of the other characters um so the anti Snow White in this movie, we, you know, when we're talking about characters who are foils for one another, uh, like the Wicked Queen is, like th- that's no special insight on, on my part. The, the Wicked Queen is the opposite of Snow White. Yeah. Where whereas uh, Snow White is good on the inside and outside, the Evil Queen has no interest in being good on the inside. Cares only about the exterior appearance, uh, being right. the fairest of them all. And one of the big questions I have in stories like this, I'll have the same question in Cinderella, mm-hmm. is who was Snow White's father, the king, who could marry mm-hmm. such a woman?
2: Right. Very what? interesting question. <laughs> Snow White is so great. Clear... Yeah, It's also not clear where her father is. During this story, if he is dead, if he is away I, I don't think that's ever answered right oh, but he East seems Day. to not
0: so well I you, would, asked, you
2: would think so right
0: I asked that question of my daughter and, he, and she said "Do you know when she goes into the basement and I said yes and she goes do you see those, <gasps> oh, my those God. skeletons there I bet one of them and there's a <laughs> yeah. casket and one of them I bet that's her
1: father and I went the oh, one who's gross.
2: reaching for the water and it's like <laughs> yes, yes. Could awful be, totally could be
1: yeah. I mean, there's different so no white. Gr- so Snow White grew up
0: with four decaying bodies in the basement.
2: <laughs> <sighs> well,
1: I mean, every every family has skeletons in the closet. <laughs> but skeletons in the basement—that's <laughs> that's a whole new level, Larry. <laughs> okay.
0: But also, does she just have these really weird potions just ready to go in her basement, just at any moment? Like, oh, I need the cackle of an old hag. Here, I'll just
2: yeah, yep. <laughs> like, kind just of a lot stuff go. set up down there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I,
1: quite a quite a, set a lab. Well, I have a question about the 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 wicked queen um, and versus the old woman. And I know, as presented in the movie, that um, she assumes the disguise of the old woman. But when I was a kid and I watched the movie, I actually I, I, I don't know why I always believed that she was taking off her disguise of being the evil queen and revealing that mm-hmm. she was actually, you know, this monstrous hag. Um, mm-hmm. And
0: so did you have Wait, just total sidebar question? Did you have the viewmaster of this? I probably did. Is that why? Okay, so that's why. Because I think in the view, and somebody, please, I did have the viewmaster. Answer. I also had that idea as a kid, and but my first, my first experience with Snow White was in the viewmaster of you know the little red machine where you put the little white disc in and you flip through and you see the you know little slides or whatever, and that was my understanding was that she took off her costume and there she really was oh, for who she wow. was. Wow, I didn't even so, think of that. So I wonder if they, you know, dewitchified it or whatever for the 1970s. I don't know, but it was just a question that, yeah, because I had that same thought. And the only other, the only explanation I have from that is the ViewMaster. That's the only explanation I
1: have. Um, but but she's got all of this power, and yet her obsession is about appearance. It's 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 the power is not power for its own sake. It's power for being beautiful. And it's a beauty that can't, like, it's not enough for her to be beautiful. She has to be more beautiful than everyone else. I have to believe that for Snow White to be the person she is, the evil queen has to have cast a spell over the, the king, used a love potion, used something. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's just me being wish- tr- trying, to, trying to think that the king is a better judge of character otherwise um or or maybe like snow white actually this might be the answer snow white tends to see the best in everyone maybe the king was just naive enough to see the evil queens outside and believe there must be good on the inside Ugh, it's hard
0: but as a storyteller that's automatic conflict if you have a step parent like whether yeah. they're good or evil it's automatic conflict so it's kind of a easy way out to make her just really evil and snow White really good and, and we also those, don't know and...
2: how long Snow White's mother lived right right and in, in the not. in the grim fairy tale she dies when Snow White is a baby but we're not told that in the movie
1: yeah
2: no. um, maybe her mother you know lived long enough to teach her some good values <laughs> right yeah so we're, it's possible
1: um all right but and what any thoughts about the wicked queen the thing that i consider with her character in particular is she has a moment which which there is a com- she's got this commanding presence i wouldn't say it's charisma but i think what the animation really gets well from her is she's got a very hot anger she's got a very strong sense of empowerment um uh, a fierceness to her, whereas Maleficent is is a very cold anger, right? Like like she right. she she's like, I'm 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 rational and I'm in control of myself and my revenges are calculated. The evil mm-hmm. queen is all fire. Like it's fire and hate and and lashing out and there's a brashness to her. I often when when she's like got her cloak and she's going down the stairs, I always flash to Julia Sugar Baker from Designing Women. Like that sort of like when someone would would get Julia Sugar Baker angry and she'd she'd be like, Oh, and we'd also like you flipped the switch and now you're gonna pay for it sort of way. I, I think she's terrifying. I think the anger and fierceness that she brings makes us respect her as a villain and fear mm-hmm. her. Right. More than we have with any other Disney villain. She's scary. She hates so intensely.
2: Yeah. And I I think it's um, when you were talking about her being the opposite of Snow White, I was, uh, you know, noticing that, too, in in almost every way uh, in terms of their personality. And um, one of the ways they're the opposite, too, is, you know, Snow White is very meek, very unassuming um, you know, she tries to charm people kind of, but even she doesn't even try to do that. She's just sweet and charming and people just like love her. Um, and then the evil queen is she's shown commanding and she's com- she's shown commanding men. Like she commands the, the, the mirror who is a male figure and she commands the huntsman. So it's contrasting this like meek uh, young woman with a woman who is empowered and is is commanding men. So I think, you know, just talking about kind of what the the stereotypes that this uh, sort of movie is, is putting forward, that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she has agency, right? And Snow White sort of does, but she has to ask for a lot of support and wish for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you You brought up the Huntsman. Has he been doing killing for her before? What's he what's his deal? Like and he says she'll stop at nothing. I think like I I yeah. I, I kind of wanted a scene where the huntsman kind of wrestles with what to do. Maybe that would be too much, but almost where he has this or he, you know, has this moment where he's betrayed her before. And it really, you know, and he, he can't have that, you know, she can't have that. Like, this is his last moment.
1: I, I think we do this. see him struggle. I think he goes mm-hmm. to the fields planning oh, sure. to kill her. And can't bring himself to do it, which makes me feel like the Huntsman has done things he's not proud of. And there, oh, there's yeah, stuff that so. he needs to, like, I don't know that he's killed young girls before. I, I, But I feel like there's definitely things he's done that are not okay. But this is the line he can't cross. Like, yeah, this, this is that For one sure. step to damnation too far he can't go. He can't follow,
2: and he and he protests immediately when she orders him that um, that Snow White's the princess, that he he doesn't want to kill the princess, and then he beg he calls her princess and and is begging her forgiveness, which makes me wonder if is if is the huntsman does he have some loyalty to the king, right to the queen's husband? That would
0: have been good to see, huh?
2: He's so
1: weak. He's such a weak person. It feels to me, Uh, and and obviously obviously. He has to be weak because the queen is strong. She's a stronger character than he is. But,
2: but. He doesn't to, seem weak to me, though. He's, no? he, he takes a huge, huge risk by tricking the queen.
1: But it doesn't solve the problem. The, the, regardless, regardless of whether he kills Snow White or doesn't. And I'm glad he doesn't. Good for him. But <laughs> like, it doesn't solve the problem there's a monster on the throne right Right. like this this particular terrible act didn't happen the way he want she wanted it to but like so so now he knows she's the sort of person who kills teenage girls and he helps one get away but that's not enough like so like
2: i don't know
1: well it's not his story (laughs) so nothing <laughs> right Right, right, right. <laughs> nothing but if he got found out and was imprisoned and didn't apologize for it uh like that that would be better not not for him mm. but 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 for me liking him like to it's not an act of defiance to of the queen it's an act of like momentary fear Doubling everything he does is motivated by fear. He he out of conscience he tells her to run into the woods. He could run with her,
0: right? But he chooses not to mm-hmm. do that. Such a coward. He is a coward. Absolutely. All right. We don't know. Warps. We don't know
2: what <laughs> what she the queen has hanging over him though. Like that's true. She she she, she says you know you know the penalty for um, for failing me, which makes me think maybe he's failed her in the past. And something really ah, bad has ah, happened. Does she have like his family? Like, I, well, that, just, I don't know what's go. I don't know what's going on with. with I want more month. in that scene. <laughs> I want more. That's what I. I and I we don't find out right. what happens yeah. to him. We don't even know if he lives. Like, does because she, she finds out the queen finds out. Does she immediately kill him? We don't. We don't see Is he that in the basement. Scene. <laughs> it, did, does she put him in the basement? I we don't know.
0: We don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, all right.
1: Dwarfs. Dwarfs, dwarfs, dwarfs. Okay. So there dwarf, are, dwarf, dwarfs. S- there are seven dwarfs and I will seven. argue that, that seven is too many, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. it's, it's, the, it's the story and that not all of the dwarfs are equal uh, in terms of importance. Correct. For yes. me, there are three dwarfs that are really important. And then there are the four other dwarfs and, um, but I'm curious about this. What dwarfs are important to you? Andy knows one of my answers, and everyone's going to have the same answer, because there's only one dwarf that we've mentioned, and we've mentioned him like mm-hmm. 20 times so far this mm-hmm. podcast. So let's just put it out there. Grumpy is the grumpy, most important grumpy. dwarf. Yeah, yes, for sure. Um, we'll come back to Grumpy. Uh, are, there okay. o- are there other dwarfs that, are, that feel important to you? Who do you care about?
2: The only, the other two that feel important to me are Doc, because he's like uh-huh. kind of their leader and, um, Dopey. Cause Dopey is kind of endearing and the, the others kind of take advantage of him a oh, lot. Oh, you think? Yeah, <laughs> so, so, but, so cool. those, those three, and then there's the other ones are like, I don't know, Sneezy something like, I, yeah, I don't really care about the others.
1: <laughs> I would, I would argue, I wish I had made this a game. Cause family feud style, Bridget, you just swept the board. They are they have the exact same three I was thinking of. Andy, yeah, do same. you wanna do you wanna? No
0: same three. That's it. Yeah, same. And I would argue that like even they also have sort of their parallels in the story. In that um, Doc is as optimistic as Snow White is, and is kind. And Grumpy is as you know has this evil streak, but it's not quite what the Queen's got. But he's got this <laughs> you know he's got this kind of meanness about him. And Dopey and the animals are parallel characters, especially the turtle, and how they deal with the stairs. So it's kind of the same uh, mm. same parallels there.
1: And look, there's not there's not enough room in the movie to really develop seven dwarfs. There's just no, there's just no. there isn't enough room to do it. I but would argue in terms
0: of like the gags and things that they're doing, and and how do we show animation and what can we show things doing? We can show someone sneezing. We can show someone being turning red in the face when they're embarrassed. We can show all these different kinds of things. And I think in terms of this being a display of animation, it makes sense, right? I mean, th- that you have opportunities to use these. Because I, a lot of those moments where, and, and we haven't really talked about this, but a lot of those moments where like they're dancing or the seven dwarves are washing, like there's a lag. Like you can, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. how long is this going to go on? Yes. Right. Yes. But, like, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's an opportunity to be entertained. And again, with the film being what it is, I think it matters. But I think there are a perfect amount of dwarves for 1937 because you need, you need opportunity. But maybe for, maybe for 2021, we could off, you know, four dwarves and uh, go with that principle of three.
1: If, if you'll indulge me. For a comic bit, sure. which maybe we end up cutting, but we won't because I'm gonna look <laughs> dumb. Um, I'm going to take on the role of the person who's telling the dwarfs that they're being downsized and telling them why. Is that okay? It's a little bit I'm improvising here, but I <laughs> Please. feel cold. I to love it. it. <laughs> yes. All right. Happy? Why do we need you? I don't know why we need you. Most of the dwarves are happy. You don't bring anything special. Does, <laughs> if if the other dwarfs weren't also happy we could get rid of you we could keep you but you bring nothing you bring nothing you're gone sleepy that's not interesting (laughs) i i don't want to go to a movie and think about falling asleep i don't want to i don't want to be dealing with someone's struggle about how do i possibly stay awake get out of here you're fired literally sleeping on the job all right bashful bashful the camera hates you bashful because you run from it, you flee from it. You are you are the you are even worse than Sleepy. Sleepy's just doing nothing. You're retreating. You've lost this battle. You're at Sneezy. I had hopes for you. I had hopes for you, Sneezy, because because I do feel you bring something. But but that Sneezy yours. You gotta you gotta plant and payoff. It is check of sneeze. We have set up this thing that you can do. And it's gotta, in act three, the sneeze has to become plot relevant. What are you doing? Right. You're gone. All four of you. Get out. Uh, dopey, grumpy, doc, three dwarfs. That's all we That's need. Yep.
2: Thank New you. No in the three dwarfs.
1: Thank you. This is definitely getting cut. <laughs>
2: no, 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 it's good. No, why is
1: this getting cut? Okay. Um, so... Yeah, <laughs> I that. It's wonderful. There's though. there's one character I don't think we had on our list that we should have, which is yeah. the magic mirror. Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, what do you think about him? I I have trouble figuring out. Is he a bad guy? Is he neutral? Is 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 he rooting for the evil queen? Is he opposed to her? What you what's your sense? Does he delight in telling her she's not the fairy? Did fairest? she create did she create him?
2: I feel like she like maybe he's somebody that she magically trapped in there. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh, and so dark. like he's he's forced to do her bidding, which is to tell her the truth. But I don't feel like he's he has one side or the other. He doesn't he just tells her how it is, right? He doesn't seem to really be rooting for her. Mm-hmm. He seems neutral. I don't know. What, I, what do you think?
1: I, I see it differently every time. There are times where I watch it, and I feel like she he is some demonic force that right. she has like made a pact with and mm. like is her partner in crime to a degree. And then other times, I feel like he's delighting in the fact. like he says, I'm so sorry, my queen. But today, Snow White is more fair than you. But are you really mm. Magic Mirror, or is this delicious to you, right? He, he feels stuck to me.
2: But then, he when just he feels stuck, if he's siding with, I don't think he's not siding with Snow White though, because it, because it's his telling the Queen the truth that puts Snow White in danger.
0: So. Yeah. Well, mirrors have to be neutral, right? Well, are they though? No, they don't have necessarily have to be, right? I mean, they feel like they should be, but they're not. They feel like they should just give information. But yeah, this is a
1: this or a good questions. is the mirror a piece of the evil queen's soul? Ooh. Right? Is it? Is it her own inner voice?
2: Because it's a mirror, right? You see her? yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's yeah. seeing
1: herself. Is so. It, I don't know.
2: That's really interesting.
1: We never see the magic mirror again, although the magic mirror does like Walt Disney uh, goes with the conceit that after Snow White, he got the magic mirror. He uses that in a lot of his 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 um, later specials, uh, including one where the magic mirror is checking in on other villains. Um, Mm. I remember that. But I just I did an enigma to me. And I have so many questions about the magic mirror that will never be answered. What would answer oh, yeah. it for me would be if we got back to, to Snow White's castle, is the mirror whole or has it been cracked? Did it did it break when, when the evil Ooh. queen break? Because that I think would answer the question for me. Or is it still there? And Snow White and and or whoever could use it.
2: Oh. I like the idea of Snow White and the Prince like taking it to their castle, and then they they okay. use it, but they use it for good,
1: right? Ooh,
2: like Magic Mirror, where's our son? What's what's he getting into right now? <laughs> Magic Mirror, does this dress like a true look parent?
0: <laughs> so, what about Prince Charming? What do we think about him? I
1: think I would um. remember a character named Prince Charming, Andy. Are his st- name's not Prince Charming, is it?
0: We don't know what his name.
1: He is. is he does not even have the last name. Uh, he, he is sorry. officially known as Snow White's Prince. Uh, uh, you want to. You want to talk about not have not being a character. <laughs> the only way to identify you is through another character's ownership of you. Uh,
0: well, but in, I mean, in a in a in a film where we're not really sure who the protagonist is, and you know, how we treat women in this film. Maybe it's okay that she's Snow White's <laughs> prince.
1: Maybe it's okay that, like that he's owned by her. Maybe that's all right. I don't love him. Um, this is one of those places where I think Sleeping Beauty is better than Snow White. Oh, I absolutely. think Prince Philip is much better uh, than, than Snow White's prince. Snow White's prince does nothing except kiss a dead girl. Great. And he has <laughs> he has one song
2: literally you know, it's kind called of a nice song,
0: one song
2: yeah, <laughs> it's called one, one song. song it's kind it's of a nice song. song, like it's kind of pretty, but that that's it, yeah, yeah, and she likes him, so
0: we like him, sort of, right
2: she, what she can wants. do better for sure <laughs> she can she can definitely do better, but well, we don't <laughs> know anything about him, we
0: don't love him because we don't know him. We well, know nothing about other than he puts her on a horse, a white horse, and he's willing to search for her and find her. Well, that's, that's I mean, that's really what I'm thing saying. We know about
1: his characters. Yeah, that's all we know. There's there's nothing to care about. There's nothing there. There's a pretty yeah. face. Yeah.
2: He's a blank slate. He's a blank slate.
1: Project whatever you yeah. want onto him. Excellent. All right. Our, one of my favorite sections, the recurring segment, protagonist problems. So <laughs> so Bridget uh, I have a long running theory that Andy's heard before so I'm going to I'm going to toss it out to you. So okay. obviously this movie wants us to believe that Snow White is the protagonist but you're not buying what they're selling and I'm not buying what they're selling. So when we're looking at protagonist and we're talking about the things that protagonists do. One of the things that we talk about in movies is a protagonist grows and changes. Experiences Something new uh, and becomes beco- out the other side a better person. And for me, there is only one character in this movie who can make a claim to have changed as a character, and that is Grumpy. Mm. Uh, I think there is only one character who is transformed. The other six dwarfs immediately take to Snow White, and Grumpy is the one who puts up a fight and tries. Not to love her, and he can't help himself. He even overhears her praying for for him to love her, and he makes a big show of, huh, right? Like he's the one who's not going to eat her food. He's the one who's not going to wash up for dinner. He he's like, you guys can all be changed by her. I will not be changed. But, but he in spite of himself, loves her. We see him, like he knows he's going to put up a fight and try not to be kissed by her, but we see him take off his cap just to make sure he looks okay for her. When she kisses him, he pretends he doesn't like it, but he can't help but look back at her fondly to the point where he falls not once but twice as he's storming away from her. He, of the seven dwarves, is the only one who warns her that there is danger in this world. He's the one who takes on the role of protector and says, the evil queen is going to have people looking for you, let no one into the house. He's right. She she doesn't Mm -hmm. do it, but he's right. But most heroically of all, for me, when the animals come to tell the dwarves that Snow White is in trouble, the other dwarfs dither and dather and what have you. And it is Grumpy, not Doc, who says, Snow White is in trouble, we have to go save her. He leads the charge. And for me, for me, uh, while he's not the protagonist, he does the work that a protagonist should be doing. Mm-hmm. If you'd retitled this movie Grumpy, Snow White, and Six Other Dwarfs, i would be happy and i just want to throw that out to you andy has heard me say this many times uh what do you think about that am i am i too sentimental or
2: no i i agree i think grumpy definitely changes more than any of the other characters he has an arc i don't know if any of the other characters really have an arc at all I, I don't, will th- I say don't think so. I'm gonna
0: fight, I'm gonna fight for this a little bit. I oh, think there God. was an intent. I think there was an intent for Snow White to have an arc. I think there's an intent of it. I mean, what? on the surface, maybe not. And but the very first thing we see is she wishes for this guy. And the minute he comes, she runs away from him. And she can't, she she kind of peeks around and she's kind of embarrassed about how she looks and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't really want to embrace him, right? When he kisses her at the end, she happily embraces him. So something has happened to enable mm. her to love, right? And mm. I think it's the seven dwarfs. I think it is the love that she experiences with them that enables her to feel okay and comfortable with loving her true love. Mm. Interesting. Now, do I think? Do I think that that's? But I'm with. I'm also with Larry. Grumpy's doing all the work of the protagonist, right?
2: If she were working
0: harder and making more choices as opposed to being passive, I think this would be more ideal. That's just my, that's my point. No, argue with me. That's interesting. Okay.
1: No, that's, that's good. Um, I would, I would say then to you, um, I, I mean, for me, the thing that you guys brought up about Snow White earlier is that Snow White needs to learn something. Right? And, and. And my concern for her is what what she learns is is, I mean she lets the she let after being warned by Grumpy not to let anyone into the house, she breaks that one rule because the 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 hag says I need a, a drink of water. Right? Like she can't help but trust. And the problem becomes the lesson she needs to learn is to be less trusting of people, but we right. actually don't want to see her become less trusting of people because it's the thing, like, like it, 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 it requires her to lose her innocence, right? Which is the thing more than anything else about Snow White that we identify her with. Um, if she was a dwarf, her name would be Innocence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. she would be sincere. It's so it's so hard for me, um, because I think yeah. she loves so so easily. I if we could see her learn to be brave. So how about how about this? If if we if we got more of a sense of her taking yeah, if of her taking a risk with 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 the old woman. In the Grimm's fairy tale, Bridget, I'm recalling that the old woman comes several times to the house, right? Three and the times, first couple, yes. three times, and the first two times, Snow White says no, and the third time is the time wh- with the apple, is the time that she says yes. She she lets her in. No, no, no is that not right?
2: Both times, no, <laughs> she does not learn. So the first time, the queen um, like comes in the, gu- the guise of the hag and like wraps her up with a lace, really tight, and then the dwarfs come and save her later. The second time, it's um, she gives her a poison comb. That she puts in yes. her hair and like falls, and the dwarfs have to come and like take the comb out of her hair later, and then the, she she does not learn. So that she comes again, she takes the apple. So <laughs> she, I, I totally That's agree with what worse. you're saying, Larry. Like I think <laughs> I think she it would be. I would like to see her learn to be um, less less trusting. That that sounds bad, but like just more less gullible, less gullible. Yeah, but she doesn't. Or that she would learn from the past. And she, any, she doesn't. And no. then she wakes up. So I don't think she even knows what happened. She, like, she, she eats the apple. She wakes up. She immediately goes with this guy. <laughs> she doesn't. I don't think she learns anything.
1: <laughs> okay. I've got it now. I'm putting it all together. Okay. What it should be. The metaphor here is Snow White, prior to the start of the movie, was a girl. The, the evil queen goes to the magic mirror, but today is the day Snow White becomes a woman, and therefore the evil queen is no longer the fairest in the land. Snow White is now a competitor and now a rival. So Snow White's arc needs to be growing into her womanhood, right? Becoming an adult, putting childish, not necessarily putting childish things behind her, but but uh, becoming a becoming less in need of a guardian and more empowered by herself right so so she goes from guardian to guardian the the huntsman is not a good guardian the dwarfs are great guardians what we need is that moment for snow white to emerge as an adult and that's yeah. the only way yeah. she'll ever be able to challenge the evil queen but because we keep her a child throughout the movie even at the end I don't think Snow White should be picked up by the prince and taken off um like like she's not she's not ready to be in a relationship yet like she or no. or like like they can hold hands like I'm not ready to see them go <laughs> off to the castle and maybe maybe that speaks to what you said earlier Bridget about like no she needs to spend more time with the dwarfs she needs her seven dads To help her grow Mm -hmm. up some more. Mm -hmm. If we don't see her, if we don't see her take that first step towards adulthood, and I don't think that we do. She doesn't have a journey.
0: I mean, even if she had to wrestle with how do you care for these seven children? How do I do this? Okay, what do children need? Okay, children need this and this. It's almost like this calling, right? As opposed to like, well, I'm here. I need to (laughs) do what women do and i think part of this also, you know, we have men telling a story about a, w- a woman and what they see women doing and so that's kind mm-hmm. of a kind of part
2: of the problem we have here. I want to flip. also the, flip. like i noticed, you know, the only two female characters in this whole thing, unless maybe some of the animals are female, but the only the only two like female characters in this whole thing are snow white and the evil queen and they are in a they're conflicting over who's the most beautiful. Right. So <laughs> just it's not the most enlightened
1: it's not a great (laughs) feminist text (laughs) okay one one last question then we can move on from this one uh, just because we're still on protagonist problems do you think that the dwarfs are changed by their time with snow white or do they just go back to living in squalor living in filth going back to the mines (laughs) getting money for no particular reason or have they been changed
2: Oh, I think they wash up now before supper every single time.
1: And every time they do it, they think of Snow White.
2: <laughs> I yeah.
1: I want to believe
0: that. I think they cook their own gray stuff in the pot. I'm not sure what that gray stuff is, but apparently it's delicious. So
1: no, wrong movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but the pot is full of gray stuff. No, but but right it ain't delicious. Um, I know it's not delicious though. Um. Okay, so themes. Let's talk about some themes in this movie. We've tended at quite a few of them. Um but, I think jealousy is definitely a theme in this between
2: mm-hmm.
0: between women, jealousy between women
2: and vanity.
0: Um, mhm.
1: Uh Andy's waiting for me to say learning to love unselfishly, which I say every week. Um <laughs> uh, but for no, cr- we say re- we say redemptive love every redemptive week. Redemptive love every week. <laughs> um uh, I do think love is a big part of this, but I think more so than anything for me, it's deception in appearance. Um, I, I, we see it again and again that that there's just all sorts of deception. Uh, so when you think about the Evil Queen's disguise, uh, um, but if you were going to try to disguise yourself as someone, you would take an apple from. Would that be the outfit you would put on? Do you want to <laughs> touch the apple that? But, but there's a part of snow white i think that's like huh you know if she's that ugly on the outside she must be good on the inside the apple is good on the outside but ugly on the inside there's all sorts of like like you cannot learn anything from appearance appearance is just deceptive appearance isn't real right uh right that that feels like a big theme for me
0: I like that. I also think that kindness overcomes evil in this movie again and Mm -hmm. again. Fellowship? Yeah, these little moments of just how to be kind to someone and that that overcomes maybe not evil in the sense of grumpy, but it overcomes um, just barriers because she's really kind to him, even though he's really awful to her.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think maybe like uh, optimism or hope could mm-hmm. be a theme because she's just constantly hopeful that everything's going to turn out for the best. Right. And one day her Prince is going to come and all she has to do is kind of wait and be, be cheerful and like sweet optimism the is getting all of that's going to happen.
1: <laughs> optimism is getting you through adversity. It's optimism right. that sustains you in the hard times. I like that.
0: Yeah. Having a wish is always a good idea, right?
1: That that you can't you can't surrender to despair. I think we can't. That's a big part. We have
0: to have yeah. If we've learned anything over the past year,
1: oh my oh my (laughs) gosh, guys, I get it now. What we need is the scene where Snow White goes into the haunted woods and she sees all the things she saw before, but she's not afraid anymore. I love it. That fear is gone now. The fear of the unknown. Ah. The fear of darkness. Right? Like like. Oh. That scene, give so, me that scene. I mean, you're right, Larry,
0: because there, there are lots of th- times in this movie where the things are set up. I mean, you were trying to laugh about it with Sneezy earlier when you were like, we set this up and you don't pay it off. But that's a beautiful scene that's set up and it's never really paid off. Or there are things that will, be ha- that will happen that we never really see again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that might be one of those times where you know we, she has to go back. What's it like to go back to those steps? Uh, mm, of that castle yeah. that you've been scrubbing. What's it like to look at that well again? What's it like to really feel
1: lost? That's such a great point, Andy. Because there's there's always in these stories when when you go on the journey, there's the chapter where you're back, and right. the place is the same, but you're different now. You're different. That's and we don't get yeah. that for her.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And
0: well, she gets Snow swept White is somebody
2: else, somewhere else. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Snow White was on Broadway briefly, right. In the 1980s um, televised too, um, but nothing, I mean, we, and we have like Snow White and the Huntsman and we have other things that are done by like not Disney people, um, but nothing's really been done with this sense. I mean, there have been storybooks like, like um, Larry mentioned, um, but not really anything that takes, you know, Nothing that expands the story much. Um, how would we do a sequel sequel, or a rewrite or a prequel? How might we do
1: those stories? By the way, right. one of the things I deeply respect about the... Look, there's a lot of direct-to-DVD sequels that Disney did. They did they, uh-huh. they, um, of various degrees of quality. They never right. did one to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I respect that because that was one of Walt's like wishes after after seven dwarfs aired people were begging him to make more more dwarfs and his response was you know i made the three little pigs and then people wanted more of the little pigs and i gave it to them and it made them less this is it yep. for the dwarfs like nice. no more dwarfs nice. but my answer would be if i was making a sequel because i'll take the money like, put me to work. <laughs> like, that's very nice, Walt. But, but like, I got, I got mouths to feed. Um, I would say I would, take, I would take a leaf from Shakespeare's play. Um, the, the one original play of Shakespeare's, I believe, is considered to be, the story goes, that um, Queen Elizabeth I looked at um, the character of John Falstaff in the Henry Fourth plays and said, this character amuses me. Shakespeare, please write a play in which he falls in love. And which is why for me, Snow White 2 is Grumpy in love. That's what I
2: want. Oh, I love
1: it. I wanna see, <laughs> I wanna see Grumpy fall head over heels in love. And I think we can elevate Bashful to be his sidekick for this. Kind yeah. of. Um I wanna I wanna see what happens now now that Grumpy has gone through this transformation where his heart is open, maybe maybe it's time for him to actually stop being the misogynist he's always been. And love, experience true love now, oh, and that's what I want.
2: I like that. I you that. know what? What I want is, see, I'm always about redeeming villains, so I want the evil queen to have survived, and um, and maybe it, she 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 has to struggle with with um with her feelings of of guilt for what she tried to do, and oh, uh, here's this is going to be a, a great fan fiction. She's the one that Grumpy falls in love with. Oh, but she's in a disguise.
1: Goodness. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And maybe he likes her better when she looks like the old, old uh, be- uh, peddler woman. Yeah. Than, yeah. than when she's the evil queen.
2: But when, when it comes out that she's actually the evil queen, there's going to be drama there. Will their oh, relationship yeah. survive?
1: Will
0: this marriage last? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm pulling for them. Andy, what do you got? <laughs>
0: I Well, you know, you're talking about grumpy. I had this, I didn't really have any like major things except for, well, I had two things. One was question, more questions than anything. But how did these dwarfs come to be? Like, have they always been miners? Um, Did they leave their families to go on a quest for a treasure and then they're all just, you know, growing old together? And is that treasure that they're mining, is it really what they hoped it would be? I mean, dopey is. You know, it's so we're going to lock it up with a key, but then we're going to hang the key on a peg next to the door. So is it really all that? I mean, they're just working for work's sake or what's what's going on there? And then they're also musicians, um, as is evidenced by that. Um, uh, to re- uh, I can't I can never say this word. yo lady. Uh, that yeah, one. there you go. The mountain music, right? The Austrian mountain music. So I just really have a lot of questions about them, but I also have questions about this prince. So, and in fact, I have pre- questions about all the Disney princesses or princes, right? Because none of them really play a big role other than to be this guy that, you know, the hunk that everyone wants, right? I think it would be really interesting if like, they were all together. You know, we have Disney princess movies where they've all done things together. What about the Disney princes? I mean, they need some backstories like and some that. color. And what in the world happened to those guys? Wait a so, second, Andy. A are you
1: pitching happening. me a Disney version of The Bachelorette? Yes.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> I am I
0: think, I think that's exactly what I'm doing. I think it would be amazing. <gasps>
2: yeah. That would yeah. be awesome.
0: That would be great. They should, they, yeah, if you're listening and you want to... <laughs> if you want to, to take a meeting on that, we will definitely make that happen for you for sure. Oh my goodness. You guys, this has been so fun. This has been so yeah, fun.
2: Bridget, thank has. you so much
0: for joining us oh, today. Thank you Bridget. for having
2: was me. Abso- this was, oh, this yeah, was so much best. fun.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you again for listening to Once Upon a Disney. And again, you can find us on our Facebook page at uh, Once Upon a Disney Podcast. You search there and then we're on Twitter at Andy Redwine and at Larry Brenner six.
1: And I want to remind and you that you can find uh, Bridget's website, Um, that you can go back there.
0: Yes. Thank you. And you should buy her and buy her book. Oh, thank you. I'm sure It's going to be great. Um, and you can also uh, email us if, in our, in our mailbag at uh, once upon a Disney podcast at gmail.com.
1: So, and yeah. what are we doing next week, Andy? you remember what are we doing next week larry okay i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember Sorry. we are doing our very first fully live action um movie that darn cat oh that's right and again and we, have, we have a special guest for that we have
0: a special guest for that so i'm so excited all right well again thanks so much for being here bridget it was awesome to see you and hear you and thank you it was
2: you. awesome to be on
0: Yeah, and thanks again for joining us at Once Upon a Disney. We'll see you real soon. See you
1: real soon.